God who goes before all of us. You surround us. Your plans are there from before the beginning of the foundation of the earth. And we know that we can trust you. And right now, Father, we just pray that as Gareth speaks to us about mission and your mission, not our mission, your mission, Father, open our hearts, get our feet, ting- feet tingling for where, the, where our feet should be moving, the words we should be speaking, what our hands should be doing, all those works that you prepared in advance for us. Father, we pray that we will be spurred on. Speak with him, Father, and thank you, Lord, that we, that we are on mission with you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Ali. Good morning. Um, before I get to preaching, I wouldn't be, I don't know if you've ever had this, hopefully you have, uh, where you're in worship and you feel God speaking to you and you, you don't know whether you should say something or you shouldn't say something or should I go or shouldn't I go? And the answer is always go. go. And, um, and this morning, just before I start preaching, I, I've just I felt it when we prayed this morning and I feel it again now. And so I'm just going to start with this. Um, I feel like there's someone, maybe there's more than one. Uh, if it's you, I'd love you to be able to put your hand up so we can just pray over you, not to make any fuss over you, but to pray for you. But I think there's someone in the room who has had something that's been someone or something that's always been there for you, and suddenly they're not there, and it feels like your life's all discombobulated and you're all upside down. Because this person that you've gotten security from, or this thing, it might have been a job, or it might have been, but there's just been this change in your life, and now you feel all at sea. And I just felt drawn to Isaiah 6. It says this in Isaiah 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, so just that you know, Uzziah was king in in Israel for 52 years. So for many people, that's the only king they ever knew. And then he's dead. Like, what now? And then it says, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne. And it goes into the most incredible passage about God who is glorious, like we sang, the Ancient of Days. And I just feel that maybe there's a person here today that you're in a situation where you feel like everything's been unsettled and God just wants to meet you today. And I'd love to just pray over you. Just where you are, you don't need to come to the front. But is there someone who says, I I feel like you're speaking to me you can just put up your hand. Thank you. Is there anyone else? And you as well. Can I ask the people around you to just spin around or just put your hand on their shoulders and you as well? Won't you? Let's get hands on, on, uh, on these people. Thank you for being bold. We don't need to know the details. Um, let's make sure we've got enough hands over there. Let me just pray over you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you know these precious people. And you know what they're putting their hand up for. Lord, you know their challenging situation, Lord, that has unsettled them so. And this morning, right now, God, we pray they would encounter you, the living God. They would see you high and lifted up in your glory and your majesty and your splendor. And Lord, that that vision of you would bring such peace to their hearts. Lord, peace that transcends understanding would come to them now in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, peace that doesn't come from, yes, I've worked it out or now I understand, but peace that comes from seeing God, you are holy and that you love them with an everlasting love. So I just pray, minister to them right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys for for just being willing to uh, put your hands up. And if you'd value more prayer, we'd love to pray for you just now. Um, I was going to say that it's lovely to be with you, and it is lovely to be with you. And I was going to give you a bit of an update, but we've kind of prayed for uh, Alex already. She's the first Bowley that we know of in our family to live in Stellenbosch, and so she moves on Tuesday. And so we're really excited for that. And... um, we trusting that God's actually got a plan for Alex in Rhenish and that the time left in Rhenish is going to be impacted for Jesus by Alex because she's a real missional person and uh, proud of her for that. Uh, just to say also I'd love your prayers. 
for uh, Reconciliation Road Church. Uh, we, uh, high rec roaders, who are watching, um, <laughs> we, we are also in a leadership transition process, and uh, we, we really need to just hear God speak to us. We don't yet know uh, what the next phase of leadership looks like, and so if you can put yourself in their shoes, that would be unsettling, but our eyes are on the Lord, and um, just like I've just read from Isaiah. And so please just pray for us for such a sense of unity as we discern God's voice. Um, because God, uh, we are utterly convinced that um, God was, was doing what he's doing in moving us here, that there's something better, that's a humbling thing to say when you're the guy leaving, but there's something better for Rec Road, that there's, the, and you can come and we'll, we'll love to tell you the stories, there's some specific words that God's given as to why it's better for us to leave, but we don't yet know exactly what that looks like. And so it's a good place to be in that place where you're just saying, Jesus, we need you. I know the Hotsons are in the same place. So it's lovely to be here today. It was lovely to meet Rebecca this morning. I don't know where Rebecca is, but lovely to um, hear from Francois and Roline. I needed this, but now I don't need it. It keeps flashing at me. Um, It was great to hear from Francois last week and to hear him and Roline's passionate commitment to Jesus in Indonesia. uh, getting to know people connected to the One Hope story, and so emailed them and uh, just encouraged them. We've been checking in all your sermons and stuff for the last few weeks, so I know exactly Riley's message that's in, uh, happening in, in Somerset West, and it was lovely to just more, learn more of our partnership uh, in the gospel with them. And today I want to pick up exactly where Francois left off last week. He gave us a passionate call. If you haven't heard that, I encourage you to go and listen to it. But he gave a passionate call for each one of us to make disciples of Jesus in our Jerusalem. And so he's using Acts uh, 1 language that Jesus said that you to go from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And he really said you don't need to go to Indonesia. God's calling you to your everyday life, you could say, to wherever you're living, working, and studying, and to make disciples for Jesus there. So this morning, we're going to come back to that theme of making disciples where we live. And as we do that, as we jump into Matthew uh, 28, we really are looking at the very thing that Jesus left us on the planet for. Sometimes, you know, you might have wondered, you know, when you come to know and love Jesus, why don't we just graduate automatically and go to heaven? Why did Jesus leave us here? And the reason he's left us here is his mandate for us to make disciples. But before we get to Matthew 28, I believe we need to go back in our Bibles. We actually need to go back all the way to the first book of the Bible to understand Matthew 28. And then we're going to go to the last book of the Bible to understand Matthew 28 as well. So this message is going to have two parts. We're going to look at uh, um, the first book of the Bible. We're going to look at Matthew. Then we're going to look at Revelation. And then we're going to unpack what we've seen as a theme that's run through those three. Are you ready? Let's go. Part one is what you could call the kickoff, uh, and it's in Genesis, uh, having just made a man and a woman in his own image, this is what happened next, Genesis 1:28. God blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful and, say with me, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so you know this passage, no doubt, if you've read your Bible for some time or you've been in church, but having just created Adam and Eve and having just breathed life into them, and with them at that point, just imagine being the first human beings. At this point, there's no human tradition. There's no, what are we supposed to do next? Like, what do we do on Monday? I don't know what we do on Monday. You know, like, there is nothing. There is no precedent at all. Like, boom, you're here. Like, Oh, this is interesting. Oh, hi. Introduced to each other. And what should we do today? There's no calendar. There's no tradition. There's no nothing. It's hard for us to imagine that because you come into culture. You come into society. You come into tradition. I've heard that we are called uncommas because we're coming in. huh? You, you, you come into all of these things. Adam and Eve were absolutely blank slate. And into that, God spoke destiny and design. He spoke about what they were there for. 
He spoke about, you could say, his mandate, his reason for them. And God the Father told them what it looked like for them to be in his image. He explained it to them. And what did God say? Well, he said that they were to increase. They were to multiply themselves. They were to take this mandate that he was giving to them, and they were to be fruitful. They were to fill the earth, and they were to steward his command into the ends of the earth. Now, obviously, what God said to them doesn't mean less than go and reproduce, but I want to argue today it doesn't only mean go and reproduce either. It means so much more. You see, Adam and Eve were to pass on. They weren't just to have kids. They were to pass on. They were to replicate themselves. They were to multiply God followers. They were to pass on the relationship that they had, walking in the garden with God. They were to pass that on. They were to pass on their faith. They were to pass on their relationship, their walking with God to others. They were to multiply image bearers. They were image bearers, and they were to multiply image bearers, worshipers of God, and they were to fill the earth with them. That was the original mandate. Let's go to the halftime team chat in Matthew. I wish the Springboks had a better halftime team chat yesterday, but we, we have this in sport, don't we? We have a, a team, and they've been playing for half, and, and they, you don't know what happens in the bowels of the stadium, but they have this chat, and they either get told to keep doing what they're doing or to do something different for the rest of the match. Well, when Jesus speaks to the disciples, this well-known passage in Matthew Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. He's been with them for, uh, for three years. He's been on the planet for 33 years, and he's been with 12 people intensely, and he gives them some instructions that are remarkably similar to the original instruction to Adam and Eve. Let's read it, and then we'll put up a table and compare them. And Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. If we look at this table here, look at the comparison between these two mandates, a comparison that maybe you've never seen before, a link. In Genesis 1, God blesses them. In Matthew 28, Jesus blesses the disciples. You have all my authority. I'll be with you. That's a blessing, isn't it? Jesus, uh, God the Father says, go and multiply. Jesus says, go and make disciples, which is really go and multiply, isn't it? And God the Father says, fill the whole earth. And Jesus says, go to all the nations. Can you see that it's the same game plan? It's just updated I believe that Jesus' well-known mandate to the disciples here is actually an expansion on the Father's mandate to Adam and Eve, and it's an expansion that contains some how. It contains some methodology. The basic command is the same. The command is multiply. Go and multiply worshipers of me. Fill the whole earth with them. And let's get to the final whistle. Let's get to the last book of the Bible. I know this is the fastest reading of the Bible you've ever done, but um, <clears throat> if you go to the last book of the Bible, let's look into the future and let's look at Revelation chapter 7. The Apostle John sees this and he says, After this I looked and behold, there was a great multitude. So they've been multiplying and at the end there's a great multitude that no one could number. They were told to fill the earth. They were told to go to every nation. There was this great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all the tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Hallelujah. Can you see how there's this thread that God said to Adam and Eve, go and multiply? Jesus said to the disciples, go and multiply by making disciples. And in Revelation, we find out that it happened. They did what he said. And so there's a great multitude. Because if you keep multiplying, that's what happens. There's a great multitude. And they're from every tribe, language, tongue, and nation. 
And so this is the great God story of all of human history, that God was multiplying. He was making for himself a people that he could call his very own from every tribe, language, tongue, and nation, a people who were all worshiping one Jesus. And so one hope this morning, I want to say God has called you and I. He's invited us to join him in the greatest story of all of human history, multiplying worshipers of Jesus to every nation of the world. This isn't some sideshow. You know, sometimes you meet, I, I hate it when we add adjectives to Christian, the word Christian. You know, she's a really radical Christian. Because what you've just done is you've just created two categories, and you're normally in the non-radical category. Because they're, you know, they're like, you must never add an adjective to Christian. I like to use the word Christ follower. Some people think that evangelism or living a missional life, being a missionary, is a special subset of Christian. It's, it's for the keen beans. It, it, it's like something you can option in on or option out of. You know, me, I'm just following Jesus. Brothers and sisters, the command to multiply is central to what it means to be an image bearer of Jesus Christ. To multiply is central to what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And to multiply is central to what it means to be a member of a church. Every Christian is meant to multiply. Just elbow the person next to you, just like, just tell them you meant to multiply. It's the central theme of the whole Bible is that God wants a people for himself, and it's a people from every tribe, language, tongue, and nation, and every generation has to be reached again. That's why we've got children's ministry, is that there are a whole bunch of new people who need to know Jesus. And so it's this, it's this continual call to multiply until Jesus returns, and then evangelism won't be needed anymore. Because Jesus will be worshipped forever and ever and ever. Amen. And so why don't we take the rest of the, now we're going to hinge, and we're going to say that's the theme I see in Scripture, is we're all to multiply. Even Adam and Eve got that call. The disciples got that call. And we see the result of that call in Revelation. So let's spend the rest of this time to define what it means to multiply. What does it actually look like to make disciples? Well, firstly, Jesus clarified what he meant by multiplying when he said the following things. He said, we're to go. That means you have to get off your backside and you have to do something. You have to take the initiative. You have to go and you have to make disciples of all nations. And then he said that you're to teach them to obey, that being a disciple isn't just something that, it's not just mentally agreeing to something, it's actually changing your life. It's actually doing something. It's following Jesus. So we're to teach people to follow Jesus, to obey everything that he commanded us to do. And so making disciples equals multiplying. You could say we're to be disciples of Jesus who are then meant to make disciples of Jesus. That is the call for every believer. You might say, well, what's a disciple? Well, in Jesus' day, a disciple was someone who would follow their, follow their teacher, follow their rabbi. He, would, he or she would observe their ways, their life, their teaching. Uh, they would learn by watching. They would learn by listening, and they would learn by doing with them. They were like an apprentice. My definition of a disciple is a disciple is a follower who is becoming like the one they're following. In my life, I'm so grateful that from, from age 12, I was on a youth camp. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I encountered God in a radical way. And the next thing that happened in my life was this guy who was our youth leader, Dave, kind of just drew alongside of me and started showing an interest in my life. And I'm so glad that there was someone who took this command of Jesus to multiply. He wasn't just happy to follow Jesus himself, but he wanted to pass that on to guys like me. And so I got drawn into a discipleship group where there were three or four other guys and we'd ride from different places in, in the southern suburbs of Cape Town and meet at someone's house and read the Bible together and hold each other accountable. And, and I'm so glad that, that Dave did that, that he took this command of Jesus to multiply seriously because I'm here today because of Dave. And Dave multiplied 
himself, his own faith, his own followership of Jesus, his own leadership, he multiplied it by simply inviting me into his life, investing time into me, letting me see Dave and Denise uh, as a married couple do life together. And so we would read the Bible together, we'd pray together, we'd have fun together, and he activated us on God's mission. I'll come back to Dave in a moment. Practically speaking, I want to spend the rest of my time looking at So how do we practically multiply? And I want to give you three ways that you need to multiply. The first thing is you need to follow Christ. If you're going to multiply, you have to follow Christ. Now, I'm not very good at maths. I've been a bit intimidated coming to a town full of engineers and people who know where X is because I've been looking for X for a long time. But I do know this, that if you multiply anything by zero, you get what? I know that. Multiplying, therefore, has to start with something. You cannot multiply nothing. And so if you're going to multiply your faith in Jesus, you have to have faith in Jesus. You have to have a followership of Jesus if you're going to see that happen in someone else. And so Paul said to the Corinthians, I love it, it's so simple. He said, follow my example. Some translations will say, imitate me as I follow the example of Christ. Can you see there's something in him first that he's then repeating in them? He's multiplying in them. But he's got something himself. I'm following Jesus, so just follow Jesus like I'm following Jesus. And that's what multiplying is. It starts with someone who's following Jesus, someone who loves Jesus, and inviting other people to do what they're doing, not to do something different. But it has to start with someone who's following Jesus. And so for this reason, it is impossible for you to obey the command of Jesus to multiply unless you have a certain seriousness about your own faith and your own following of Jesus, because that's the very thing you're multiplying. We're not handing out a book to people. I know we like to give Bibles, but it's not about a a list of rules or it's not a lifestyle, like what are the rules here? No, it's multiplying a relationship with Jesus. And so you can't multiply that unless you've got a life-giving relationship with Jesus. And so the first thing to think about when we consider being a missionary and, and responding to this call to multiply is you've got to first of all just evaluate, how am I doing? How is my following of Jesus doing? Just think of Paul's commands. Hey, imitate me as I'm imitating Christ, or follow me as I'm following Christ. What would people be following if they followed your life? Is it worth multiplying? I mean, there's some stuff in my life over years that that I've thought, do not multiply this. Do you know what I'm talking about? Hopefully you don't know the details of what I'm talking about. (laughs) But as soon as you think about multiplying, it should cause you to think about your own life and your own fellowship of Jesus. And maybe you go, I think I really need to deal with this. I need to phone someone. I need to get, get... get to confession, uh, where we confess our sins to one another, James 5, 16, so that we might be healed. Maybe, maybe that's for you this morning the point you need to hear, that if you're going to multiply, let's not multiply rubbish. Let's, let's allow God to deal with stuff in our lives. Brothers and sisters, to multiply starts with you following Jesus, starts with you continually changing to become more and more like Jesus, as you obey the Holy Spirit and you obey Scripture, as you allow the gospel to go deeper and deeper into your heart and to transform you as a result, that is the Christian life. I'll just tell you that you don't need to be perfect to disciple people. I'll never forget this one guy, Ryan, that I was discipling, and Nadine and I were having an argument in our kitchen, and I still remember who was in the room. Sorry, Nadine and I have had arguments occasionally over... (laughs) And I remember Ryan was in the kitchen and Luke was also in the kitchen. And I remember Ryan kind of edging towards Luke and thinking, let's get out of here, you know, because Nadine and I were having a little bit of a, I don't even know what it was. It was was probably something serious about like a pot and where it was kept or something. You know, those are always the best ones. And, And I remember saying to Ryan, hey, no, no, as I saw him trying to exit, like, no, 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 Ryan, don't go anywhere because you get to see that we're real people and how we sorted it out. And he was like, Thanks. <laughs> you know, 
multiplying yourself, when I say that you need to look at your own life, I'm not saying be perfect. Because actually Ryan needed to see two imperfect people sorting their stuff out with one another. Or maybe the person you're discipling needs to see you needing to repent and to receive the grace of God and to walk free. I value vulnerability and, and authenticity really highly. And I think if our discipleship is a fake discipleship where it's like, well, I don't want to affect their image of me, then you're not doing discipleship. And so discipleship's got to go with authenticity and vulnerability, hey? But that's not like excusing our sin. That's showing us how to go beyond it through the grace of God. Amen. I better get going. So the first thing, how to multiply, is you need to follow Jesus. The second thing is pass on to other believers what we've learned and what we're learning. So you start with yourself. Then secondly, multiplying means passing on to other believers what we've learned and are learning. We live in a self-obsessed age. Everything is about me, myself, and I. And if we're not careful, we bring that attitude with us into the church. And so it actually impacts the way we think about the church. We think, you know, well, they didn't sing the songs I wanted today. And I would prefer chai tea. I mean, what's this rooibos? Is there chai tea? <laughs> and so if you're not careful, you can think that church is about us. But actually, the emphasis in Scripture calls us to look outward, like Ali said to us about the women's event. The, the call of Scripture is towards us considering others and multiplying ourselves by investing ourselves in the lives of other people. And, and I think there are at least four realms or five realms that this could look like. Firstly, you could invest yourself into the life of another person to establish them in the faith. Hopefully, there are people always coming to faith in Jesus in One Hope Church, and so there should always be opportunities to just draw alongside. Nadine and I have had the joy of two people in our life in the last few months. I baptized someone last Sunday that, that we led to Jesus, and we've just taken those early steps with them. It's so exciting to help someone. I'm multiplying faith by just helping to establish foundations of the faith in a person, not needing a book or a course to do it, but having a person person to person, God will call you to multiply sometimes by just establishing someone else in the foundations of the faith. Secondly, multiplying yourself by encouraging someone else to grow in their character and their heart. Helping someone to really go deep in the Bible, to be reliant on the Holy Spirit, to, to maybe meet up for accountability so that our sanctification can really go forward. Thirdly, you could multiply yourself by walking alongside others people who are peers to you. you. You're kind of at a similar stage of life in terms of faith and the road of following Jesus. And I know you've got small groups and discipleship groups, and that'll be kind of the realm of multiplying your faith there in, in community. And lastly, if you're a leader, I want to say that there's a way of multiplying yourself, which is that if you're leading anything, you should be always thinking, how can I pass this on to someone else? How, I can, how can I build in a redundancy where, where I'm not needed anymore? Because actually I've raised up two or three other people that I've passed this on to. And so how can I identify and how can I equip and how can I release other people to do the work of ministry? And then urging every one of those people to multiply themselves. So the first realm of multiplication is, is you follow Jesus. The second one is kind of, it's in the church. It's, it's brothers and sisters in Christ and us multiplying faith like this into them. This guy, Dave, who multi uh, multiplied me, I guess he did, who discipled me. Uh, he, when I was 17, we had only been in a discipleship group for a few years, and when we were 17, there was this one morning that was a bit shocking, because he, he opened up the scriptures, you might know the scripture, and he read it, and he got very serious, and he was quite a funny guy, but he was serious as well, and he read this to us, 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. And what you've heard from me, there are four levels of discipleship here. What you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Can you see the four layers there? And he read this to us, and then he said something like this. This isn't a direct quote because it's like 30 years ago. I want you to pass on what I've invested to you. So you have six months to find someone to pass it on to. 
And if you fail, I will stop investing into you because otherwise I'm disobeying Scripture. Thanks, Dave. What are we doing next week? You know, it was literally, he literally said, if you don't start discipling someone, I'm, like, I'm 70. Like, I only just learned how to brush my teeth. And, and like, he basically said, I've poured enough into you. Jesus was only with the disciples for three years. I've been with you for about two and a bit years. And if you don't start discipling someone within the next six months, I'm stopping with you because I'm disobeying Scripture. Literally. And I did such a hack job of this. All the guys that I gathered around me left the church over the next <laughs> year. I remember going back to Dave saying, oh, well, that didn't work. But actually, Dave was onto something. He was so committed to following Scripture that what I've invested into you, I'm expecting you to invest into someone else. Can you see the multiplication happening there? And so I want to urge you to do three things. Learn from some people live with people, and then invest in others. Have people you're learning from. Have people you're living with. And always know, who am I investing into? And so I want to urge you today to decide, I'm going to follow the Genesis mandate to multiply. Just think about the usual excuses we would give at this point the things that would keep us from Jesus' command to multiply and to invest in other people's lives to make disciples. Maybe it's this one. I'm just super busy right now. You know, it's, it's my honors year and, you know, it's an important year. just want to urge you, are you self-centered? Did Jesus command you to do this when you had time or to make time? I just need to get some things sorted out in my life right now. So I need to sort some stuff. This is kind of leaning on the first point. Before I do this. Well, I want to say that's both a good answer and a bad answer. Because yes, we don't want to multiply rubbish. But flipping, sort it out. Because we can sort it out very quickly. We can say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me. And you can teach someone how to do the same. To ask God to forgive you. And then to walk free. So that's a good answer and a bad answer. Or how about, I don't know what to do. I'm so glad you asked that. Because there's leaders who are just itching to help you. And they could, um, we're not anti-books, but they could lean in. There's, there's probably some material and stuff, and if there isn't, we'll get, get some material going. They could help you to disciple people. And lastly, but I don't know who to invest my life into. I'm so glad you asked that question. Because if you just ask the Holy Spirit, He's going to lead you. Imagine coming to church thinking, God, speak to me today. Help me to meet someone today. And if you don't feel the Holy Spirit's been to come next week, Lord, speak to me today. Help me to meet someone. Go to community group or small group, life group, whatever you call it. Lord, speak to me. Show me who I can pour my life into. Get involved in ministries that are looking outward and saying, God, show me. I want to encourage you that God's called every one of us to multiply. So you need to follow Jesus. Then we multiply within the church. And thirdly, we share the good news of Jesus with all people. This is the third element of multiplication. And as Francois said to us last week, you do not need to go to Indonesia to be a missionary. Every one of us has the call to be a missionary to our everyday life. God has put each one of us into close proximity with people. You're in close proximity with people that I'm not in close proximity with. Your stage of life, uh, I was talking with, uh, with Bates and Jenna, we were talking on, on Friday, and just how, how the stage of life you're in just puts you into context with people all the time, with little people. It's just you're in contact with people that God has planned for you to be in contact with. And the reason is so that you might share the gospel with them. I love this quote from Burke Parsons. He says, God calls us out of darkness and into his marvelous light and then calls us to walk right back into darkness and shine. I think sometimes we think, God's called me out of darkness, hallelujah, and I'm going to stay in this holy huddle till Jesus comes back. No! He's called you out of darkness so that he can send you back into darkness to shine for him. And so what I'm talking about is not going on a mission trip or an outreach, and those are good things, but rather 
changing your perspective. It's not adding something to your life, but it's changing the way you think of your life. I like to see being on mission as a way of life. It's a perspective. It's not something you occasionally do. It's who you are. And I probably had this change of mindset, of perspective about eight years ago, and it's been probably the most exciting journey that I've been on for the last eight or so years. I've become convinced that the single greatest gift that we as Christ followers can give to the people around us is an introduction to the God who made them and the God who loves them and the God who's a purpose for their life. And so I want to finish off today by just simply double-clicking on a few ideas on how could you be a missionary 24-7? How can you change your perspective? How could you practically do that? And I'm just going to give some personal examples, and then we'll break for communion. The first thing is change your perspective. You need to change your perspective. Uh, uh, In my early years when I was a teenager in Jubilee Community Church, we used to do evangelism, like I don't know if the elders got together and decided that we need to do evangelism once a quarter or how it worked, but we used to do evangelism by going on the streets. I cringe to think of it now, you know, and someone with a guitar and banners up and down Main Street, Claremont, and I'm just thinking, I just hope I don't see anyone I know. You know the feeling? (laughs) But we all felt tick, you know, the the pre-meetings before a march like that, a Jesus march. They are the longest prayer meetings ever because no one wants to leave the prayer meeting. (laughs) Like, were we not getting the hint? Okay. So that was my background. And, And so if I was honest, it's like, I'm not up for this. Are you like that? You hear the word evangelism and you just feel, I know I should, but I just don't. One of my little nieces has this phrase, I can't want to. I know I should want to, but I just can't want to. Well, I'm looking forward to next year doing some training around what we call missional me um, and helping you to realize that we're not calling you to be anyone else. We're actually asking you to be yourself, your unique shape, and, and embracing that and seeing how God's called you to be a missionary to people that you connect with. And they're people that I won't be able to connect with in the same way. But God's shaped you to connect with them. And I can't wait to help you to grow in that. But the first thing you need to do is change your perspective. The second thing I think you need to do is to decide, I'm going to sow seeds or water seeds every day. You never do know whether you are sowing a seed of faith or whether you're watering a seed that's been sown. And I love the mystery of that. I love not knowing how it's all working. But just having this heart, you can even make it a prayer. And I I can't tell you I pray that every day. But but just praying often, Lord, I just want to sow seeds today. I want to water seeds today. If you're going into your day like that, you're going to see stuff that you weren't seeing. And so I want to encourage you to pray like that. And then lastly, to live life in 3D. This comes from... Uh, Bill Hybels, I know he's been discredited, but some of the things he said are still good. And this has really helped to me. Three Ds. Firstly, discover relationships. So this moment that I had, uh, maybe it's more like 10 years ago, this moment that I had, I suddenly realized I was surrounded by Christians. That happens to pastors. If you're not careful, you get surrounded by Christians. And so I was actually doing a notice for an evangelistic event we were doing, and I was urging everyone, all of you, to bring their unsafe friends. And I felt the Holy Spirit going, who's your unsafe friend, buddy? Does the Holy Spirit do that sort of stuff to you? Huh? And I just felt so convicted while I was giving a notice. I'm like, I've got no one to bring. And so I joined a squash club uh, in our town. Can't wait to join your squash club, wherever it is. I haven't found it yet. But... It's been the most exciting thing I've done. I've seen so many people come to know and love Jesus just because I knocked on a door, made a phone call, joined a squash club, and had a lot of sweat and a lot of fun and was on mission for Jesus. And so I want to encourage you to connect your interests, your personality, and your passions 
with the mission of God. Let me say that again. Connect your interests. You like mountain biking? I believe there's some mountain bikers in this place. You like mountain biking? You like ballet? You like art? Whatever it is, connect your interests. Connect your passions with the mission of God. And suddenly see those interests, not as just a, a me thing, but as a multiply followers of Jesus thing. And when I've been at the squash club, there have been times when it's just felt like sweat and losing squash matches and winning some squash matches and sometimes not doing so bad when the mark is bad. But through it all, God's worked some amazing stories. And so I want to encourage you to develop relationships. Connect your interests with the mission of God. Invest in relationships so that you can invite people to other things that the church is doing and to relationship with God. Secondly, discover life stories. So develop relationships and then discover life stories. This is the, this is the, the big idea. Be committed to discovering their story before you, sh you share God's story or even yours. Sometimes I think we rush to trying to tell the story about Jesus. And actually they're closing their ears because you haven't even bothered to hear their story. But just the way God's made us, if you listen to someone else's story, they open themselves up to your story and to the God story. And so I want to encourage you to do that. There was this guy who God placed in my very first squash team I was ever in. I'm in another town now, so I can say what I can use names. His name was Henny, and Henny was irritating. He was like sublimely irritating. In fact, all the unbelievers in the squash club just ignored him because he's irritating. They just flat out ignored him because he was that irritating. And then God puts him in my team. And I'm like, God, you have a sense of humor. And one day I walked into the squash club, and as I saw Henny, I saw, I don't happen to have these things often, so just, I saw a word written on his forehead, and it was the word rejection. And then my heart just broke. And in an instant, I felt God say to me, get to know his story and the story behind that word, and then you'll have a heart for Henny. And it felt like it changed my heart for him instantly, like that. And I spent the rest of that year, and on our last night of league that year, Henny and I got stuck in a restaurant together, and he told me his rejection story. And he hasn't come to faith in Jesus yet, but I want to encourage you to discover life stories. It really connects your heart with people if you're actually wanting to get to know their story. And the third and last D is discern next steps. When you start living a missional life, you'll face many of these moments where you're not quite sure what to do next. And I want to simply leave this with you. Obey the Holy Spirit. Don't do more than He says. Don't do less, but do it now. Obey the Holy Spirit. Don't do more than He says. Don't do less, but do it now. I'll tell you a quick story about a sowing seeds moment that I had in Checkers in Mamzam Toti where there was a lady, and she, she clearly had um, some food items, and suddenly I realized she was trying to work out what she was going to have to leave behind, and then I saw that she had a Sasa card uh, um, that she was going to pay with, and I felt the Holy Spirit tap me on the shoulder and say, pay for, pay for all of her stuff so she doesn't have to decide, and that's all that I felt the Holy Spirit say. He didn't say it explain, uh, you know, propitiation and substitutionary atonement and nothing else, just pay for her stuff. And so I, I just interjected and I said, sorry, I don't know you, and um, I'd like to pay for your, for, for your shopping. And in the background, I'm speaking to the Holy Spirit like, okay, and anything else, like, like am I supposed to invite her to church or whatever? And the Holy Spirit said to me, just tell her, God loves her. That's it. So that's all I did. I've never met the lady again. I don't know what happened in her life. I don't know what happened next. But I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. I responded to the Holy Spirit. I didn't do more, and I didn't do less. If I'd done less, she would have thought, Gareth's a great guy. If I'd done more, she might have been freaked out. 
I don't know whether she prayed that morning. I don't know whether she was a believer or an unbeliever. I just did what God told me to do, which included tell her I love her. So it, it kept it away from me. The focus was actually that God, God loves you. Why I use that example, or I believe you'll be in many situations that if you obey the Holy Spirit, you don't do more, you don't get on to, now you need to understand, can I draw a quick picture of the cross on the serviette here? You know, like, just don't do more. Where we get stressed about is normally when you're trying to do more than the Holy Spirit's told you. But don't do less. And don't say, you know, next time I'm in checkers, I should really, I should really do that. Because she really wanted you to do it now. And I've found that when you obey the Holy Spirit now, amazing things happen. I was one day walking. I went off for a day of solitude. I was walking through a nature reserve praying. And I had this person in our congregation uh, come to mind. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, phone her now. No context. Her name's Jenny. So I phoned Jenny. She just burst into tears. So I said, Jenny, what's happening? I, God just told me to phone you. She said, I'm sitting at my desk. I've been working for this company all these years, and I've got a retrenchment letter, and I don't know what to do. And you phoned as I've opened it. There's a guy, don't do more, don't do less, but do it now. There was a guy, her name was Jenny. I'm new, I know that I can go long. <laughs> her name was Jenny, and her husband had never come to church. His name was Keith. And I'm driving to church, and I felt the Holy Spirit just say to me, invite Keith for tea. I don't even drink tea. <laughs> or ask Keith for tea. And I'm debating with God. Do you ever do that? You know? Okay, Lord, well, if Jenny's on the welcome team this morning, then, then I know it's you. Guess who's on the welcome team? And so I say to Jenny, Jenny, I, I feel God saying that I, I should have tea with Keith. And she's like, Why? So anyway, Keith says, Jenny says, she'll speak to him, and Keith says, yes, I can come on Thursday. Never met the guy in my life. Only heard bad things, never been there. The whole week I'm praying, God, what do you want me to say to Keith? Well, I'm coming, but don't know what to say. I still remember parking a little Renault clear outside their house. It's like, Jesus, this would be the time. <laughs> Do you ever have God say nothing? <laughs> so I walk up the stairs to their, to their door, and there's Keith, and hi, and after about an hour of talking rubbish, he says, so why have you come? <laughs> so I'm like, God. So I just said, I honestly don't know. I said, I just felt God telling me I should have tea with you, and I've got nothing to say to you. So thanks for tea. And then he said, no, 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 wait a minute. I left the church, I don't remember if it was 15 or 20 years ago, because someone claimed to have a prophecy and it wasn't God speaking. I knew it wasn't. And I got so offended, I have not been back to church. But the fact that you would come here because God spoke to you and then you'd say nothing, <laughs> I know God does speak. And guess who? He didn't come to our church, but he said to his wife, leave the church that you're in, and they went to church together, and they carried on going to church. He's now passed away. Again, obey the Holy Spirit. Don't do more. Don't make up something. Well, God loves you, Keith. And God does love him, but he didn't say, say that. Don't do more. Don't do less, but do it now, and you'll see amazing things happen. Amen. Amen. I've taken long, but I'm reminding you, God's given us a mandate to multiply. It's for every single believer in Jesus. But there are three realms to multiplying. Firstly, you have to follow Jesus. Secondly, there's this multiplication. There's this making disciples, growing together within the church. And then there's multiplying faith in Jesus to people who don't yet have faith in Jesus. And I want to encourage you to really partner with the church in this. This isn't something that we just do on our own. You know, we have this thing that happens at about July every year in KwaZulu-Natal, and it's the sardine run, where millions and millions, or probably billions of sardines come past the coast. And you don't catch sardines with a rod. 
It's not like a single person job. I once counted, they, there's a whole team and there's about 50 people working together to get this net out and to bring it back in. And because of that, there's this massive harvest. And I thought that's a lovely picture of us all being on mission. God's a God of mission, missional God, missional me, missional us, where we actually join together and we be on mission for Jesus together. And so I want to urge you to do that. We're going to close with a time of communion. And uh, Ryan, thanks for coming up. Can I ask us to do this? Let's stand. It looks like there's communion tables, four of them. Won't you get the elements of communion? And then find someone who you're not married to. <laughs> and, uh, and then I'll give you more instructions in just a moment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray in, in just a moment. And then I want you guys to just talk briefly before you take communion with the other person and just pray for each other. And uh, the questions that I want you to ask each other is what has God said to you today? And don't go into a whole long story, but just is there something? What has God said to you today? And what's, my, what's your next step? And then pray for each other. Can we do that? What's God said to you today? What's your next step? And then pray for each other. The only reason why we would care about those questions is because of what Jesus has done for us. We are followers of Jesus. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 that He gave His life for us so that we would live not for ourselves, but for Him who died for us. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 14. And so let's just pray. Lord Jesus, thank You that as we hold the elements of communion, we know that You gave your life for us. Lord, you dealt with our sin and shame so that we could be in a life-giving relationship with you. And Lord, we want to say like Paul, I follow Christ because you died for me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you, Lord, that even if there are things in our lives that need to change, what we're holding in our hands is the, the proof of the power to change that we need. So, Lord, we just pray for your grace and mercy to flow. Lord, if there's any repentance needed, Lord, help us to just fall at your feet and ask for forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, for the promise that if we repent, if we ask, if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And, Lord, help us to then multiply that and to go and tell others how to do the same. So, Lord, I just pray for your blessing on every person here. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Why don't you just share those two questions? What has God said to you today? And what's your next step? And then take communion and pray for each other. Amen.